So this is week three. We're talking about how that you are God's garden. The Bible is very clear about that. And so literally, we're going to get into some things tonight that'll help you. We're going to go back to Genesis 2, verse 7. I want to show you something that's real interesting to me, and I'm not going to go really into it because this is not the emphasis, but I just want to quickly show you something. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. You are God's garden. You just are. And Satan is going to try to throw seeds of his words into your mind, into your soulish realm in the form of thoughts so that you can start speaking them and they could start, plant, get, start growing up, those weeds could start growing up and choking everything. God's desire is that you choose to allow his word to be planted in your spirit. But you're a garden. And how you're living, it really, it's, it's based on the good and bad seeds that you've allowed in your life. And, and here's the good, the good news is, the word of God, as you put it in your heart, if you've allowed a bunch of junk to be put in your mind, the word of God is the only thing that could pull it out. God can reverse everything the enemy's ever done in your life if you'll just make a decision tonight. So Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, real interesting. It says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath, that, Greek, that Hebrew word means spirit of life, and man became a living soul. So think about that. God made you out of dirt, and then he planted something. Even in Genesis chapter 2, it literally is talking about a garden. It's real interesting. And then it says, and the Lord God, verse 8, or, and, and man became a living soul, verse 8, and the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. So then, here's now here's God planting man, Adam and Eve, into the Eden, the garden of God. So now, jump all the way to the New Testament in 1 Peter chapter 1, in verse 23. 1 Peter 1, 23. You know, I want you to see this, so I'm going to wait for you to, to get there. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. It says this, talking about us, being born again, not of corruptible seed. We were not born again of corruptible seed, but of, but of incorruptible, or in other words, you and I were born again of incorruptible seed. Seed that could not be corrupted in any way. What is that seed? He specifies by the word of God. The word of God is the incorruptible seed that you and I were born again by. Isn't that amazing? And it says here, what, what is it about this incorruptible seed of the word of God? Which liveth, it lives, and it abides forever. The Bible says it this way, the word of God is forever settled in heaven. It's not ever subject to change. 
It can't be corrupted. It can't ever be changed. Isn't that amazing? God doesn't have one quality of seed and then another quality of seed. No, all of his seed is perfect. So now we see that man is born naturally. We were all born naturally by our father, our earthly father's seed. I never knew my biological father, but I'm a byproduct of his seed, right? But I was born again by my heavenly father's seed. What was that? His word. That's how I was born again. How, what does that mean? All of a sudden one day, in July of 1966, I heard the word of God. Now, I had listened to it many times, but for some reason, as a four-and-a-half-year-old, I heard it one Sunday at church. And I went home, and my mom was a single parent, and uh, we lived in a little two-bedroom apartment underneath my mom's parents, my grandparents in Chicago. And I walked up to her in the kitchen, and I said, Mom, I want to I wanna ask Jesus to come into my heart. I want to be born again. And in, in, in the mentality of a four-and-a-half-year-old, I prayed a prayer with my mom. I simply believed, I chose to believe the word of God that I heard. I chose to believe it. I had never been to Israel. I couldn't even spell Israel. I probably couldn't even spell Jesus. But yet I knew that I wanted to give him my life as a four and a half year old. I didn't even know what that meant. But what I simply did is I believed the word of God and, I, and how did I do that? I believed that God rose Jesus from the dead. I was just shown that in church on a little felt board. They explained the, the, whole, the whole crucifixion and the resurrection and whatever. And, then, and I believed it and then I proclaimed, Jesus, come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. I, I didn't really know what that meant other than the fact that I was giving him my life. And the greatest creative miracle that I could ever experience, the greatest one, happened right there. I, the Holy Spirit of God, literally came into my body, my little four-and-a-half-year-old body, took out the spirit man that I was, the little spirit that, that was in me, and he put a brand-new spirit in me that was literally not spiritually dead. It was made in the image of God. It had his DNA in it. And then the Holy Spirit took up residency. Think about that. The Holy Spirit, who is God, was now dwelling in a little four-and-a-half-year-old little boy who was made new. Why was I made new? So he could dwell in me. And then he took the agape love of God, the unconditional love of God, Romans 5.5, 5, and he just saturated my spirit in it. He shed it abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. And now, literally, because I simply believed the Word of God, which is incorruptible, it made me brand new. It transferred me out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear Son. It give, gave me an inheritance. And now for all eternity, starting right then, I would start to walk with God I'd walk with him, he'd walk in me, I'd walk in him, even though I didn't know what that meant. 
There were times in my life where literally the, the, the whole bit of what Christianity was to me is so that God would bless me to play another good game of basketball. And God put up with all that because he's long-suffering. He's just a father that just loves us. And he'd just keep wooing me and keep wooing me and keep wooing me. He'd see me go through some really hard times. So see, God, I'm his garden. And I had a bunch, I had this, this big seed. This, have you ever seen, like, you could take one dandelion. And then it blooms, and then it turns into how many, and then it... Have you ever seen, like, somebody who has not taken care of those things? It just consumes the whole thing. Well, this was my dandelion. It was called worthlessness. And all of a sudden, at the core of everything about my life, I was worthless. I was, I was teaching people about the love of God with a lie of worthlessness in my life. But my father just kept wooing me, kept wooing me, kept wooing me until he exposed that lie to me and I walked free from it forever. I mean, it's amazing how God is. But see, we all have, you might have, your garden might have a lot of weeds in it tonight. That's okay. The Bible says the implanted word is able to bring salvation, healing, and wholeness to your soul. Every tree Every, I guess the New Testament says it this way, every plant that your father has not planted in you, his will is that it be rooted up, pulled out. Pulled out by the root so there's literally no remembrance of it. I look back at the way I used to think or the way I was and I can't even feel what I used to feel. It was almost like it happened to somebody else. That's how good God is. We're God's garden. Anyway, you know, when you have 14 pages of notes, you shouldn't go into all that stuff, but you got to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. So we're born again, we're born again by our Father's seed. It's how you got born again. Listen, if you're believing God for healing, listen, you've already experienced a creative miracle. You were made brand new on the inside. That's the greatest thing that could ever happen to you, Right? So let's look at this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, this is our foundational scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, it says we are laborers together with God. I love that. Tonight, what I do as a pastor, what I do as a minister is I'm laboring with the Lord. Not, not toiling without him, I labor with him. So God's working tonight. Anything that you look at and go, man, you're such a great teacher, it's not me, it's the Holy Spirit. And what I mean by that, it's me with him. It's the same thing with you. Every good thing. Don't think more highly of yourself. Without him, you couldn't even be here tonight. Because they're his lungs, it's his air. I mean, you couldn't even, right? It's He's everything. It says, we're laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. This Greek word means you are God's tilled field. You are God's garden. You are God's building. What does this mean? This word building means completed work. What is that? It's the work of salvation. See, God completed you 
even before he ever created you. And all that happened is when you accepted Christ, the Bible says you, it doesn't say you will be complete in him. It says you are complete in him. Say this with me. I'm complete. I'm whole in him. Isn't that good news? Yeah. You're not a mistake, right? Some people think, well, you know, I'm a mistake. My parents never planned this, or I never knew my parents, or, you know, I was, I was the byproduct of a rape. You're not a mistake. You're born of your heavenly Father. And he's got a plan and a purpose for your life. And your past is not to dictate your future. He makes all things new. You just have to decide it. That's it. Because he can't do it for you. I mean, he's already done it. But for you to walk in it, you have to just say, I want to walk in it. I believe it, and I want to walk in it. It says you are God's building. See, God is able to give increase only in those areas where you keep him first place in your life. Otherwise, God can't. Because for him to bring increase where you're not putting him first, where you're not in agreement with that, he'd have to violate your will, and he can't do that. He'll never violate your will. Well, God, I don't understand why you're doing this. No, 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 no. No, don't get into that. God's, God's already done everything to produce life. Anything that's happening now is the enemy trying to steal, kill, and destroy, and, and, and what you're doing. Does that make sense? Are you living by weeds, or are you going to live by the incorruptible word? That's the big thing. It's the big decision. The difference, everything, is our attitude and our diligence to the things of God. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then God is able to add everything else to you. But you have to decide. And that's why I want to encourage you tonight. Do you know, if you didn't want to make this decision, if you weren't making this decision, you wouldn't even be here tonight. Right? And if you're sitting there tonight going, you know, I just don't know. Hey, you're here. You're hearing the incorruptible word. And all of heaven is for you. All of hell is against you, but the good news is, is all of hell is defeated. Right? God created our human spirit to grow things. Like specifically, if you're in need of healing, you grow a healing. I was just talking to somebody tonight who's part of our congregation. And you know, believing God for restoration year after year after year, and not seeing any change. And now all of a sudden, within the last six to 12 months, he's seen everything change. Why? Because the word of God was in the ground and he kept watering it, and he kept watering it, and he kept watering it, even when it just hurt, even when things were hard, even when it seemed like it wasn't working, he's like, no, the word of God is true. I got to tell you, I just, I get goosebumps on top of goosebumps. Because the word of God, it is the word of God. It's incorruptible and it will produce a harvest if you'll just keep watering it. And the enemy cannot. All, all he can do is plant weeds alongside of it if you let him. But if you don't even let him, 
He can't even plant the weeds. He could just he could throw the seeds into your mind in the form of a thought, and you could take them captive and get them out of there before they ever get planted. You grow a harvest of healing in your body. You might be believing God, and you're like, man, I've been believing God for a while, and I'm not seeing any difference. Man, just keep being thankful. I thank you that the seed, I believed I received because your word says it, and I just keep watering it. Father, I thank you I've been redeemed from the curse of sickness and disease. Father, I thank you that Jesus himself, he bore this sickness, and he carried this pain so I don't have to. By his stripes, I'm healed. What am I doing? I'm just watering my garden. A thought comes that, oh, you know, it, it's not working. What do I do? No, 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 no. It is written. It is written. He sent his word and healed me. And I'm taking those thoughts captive. I'm keeping my garden free from weeds. I'm living out of my spirit. And I'll see a harvest of healing. Do you see that? And that's everything. Your spirit is designed to grow things. So now jump over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. This is a verse of scripture. Man, I'll tell you, every time I read it, I just get more excited about it. There's so much here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 in verse 13. This is a key scripture. 1 Thessalonians 2.13. It says, Paul, writing to the church at Thessalonica, he said, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because... In other words, Paul's saying, guys, I thank God. I never stop thanking God for this thing. Because when you received the word of God, you received it, or what you heard of us, you received it not as the word of man, but as it is in truth, the word of God. Which, now he's going to talk about the word, which effectively... It says effectually, literally words means effectively, worketh in you, also in you that believe. The word of God, when you heard it, you received it not like the word of man, but you received it as it, as it is in truth, like it was the word of God himself. Because i got to tell you, this is God's, God's word. He breathed this. God doesn't talk to communicate. He talks to create. He, he talks when he says something. He, it brings an enablement for it to come to pass in your life. And his word effectively works in you that believe. It works in you only if you believe it. This is a big, big thing. Because if you don't believe it, well, pastor, if you come up to me and say, you know, pastor, I know all this stuff sounds really good, but I, I just don't believe it. Can you help me? Um, not really. To be honest with you, God can't help you there. Well, why? Can't you just teach a little better and just, no, because you're choosing not to believe it. And it won't work. I mean, now think about this. The, the word of God framed the universe. 
Everything we see was, was literally created. These chairs, this carpet, this building, everything, all matter was created by his word. But yet, it will not work in you if you don't believe it. There's people on the earth that it's foolishness to them. Isn't that amazing? You guys are looking at me like, oh my gosh, what's he talking about, right? This is why the word of God produces great things in one person and produces nothing in another person. Because it depends on how you receive it. Did you come to church just to hear a nice little sermon? Oh, or, 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 or a nice little pastor, just, he just preached so good Sunday. It was just so wonderful. It was, it was, it, he did such a good job. What did he preach about? I have no idea. Won't work for you, right? It just won't work. Even though the God of the universe, all the power of God is present in his word, it will not work if you don't believe it. It only works effectively if you believe it. This is huge. How you esteem God's word determines how it's going to work for you. Why don't people come to church? Why don't people read their Bible? Why don't people serve God and obey God? Because they don't see any fruit in it. It just doesn't work. And, and it's, it's like this is exactly what they are. They're standing on the outside looking at something and they just don't believe it so they don't see it. The Bible actually says that the gospel is foolishness to them that believe not. So in Romans, it, it lays it all out. It says, when man chose not to glorify the God of heaven, not to glorify him as God, and were not thankful, they were given over to a vain imagination. Now, who gave them over to that? They did. Because remember, God gave man dominion, so they gave themselves over to a vain imagination. So now, they're living in a vain imagination. They're seeing their life being lived outside of the realm of God. Now, the Bible says, out of that vain imagination, this is what will happen. They will choose. See, I thought for years it says that Satan blinds the minds of, I read it like Satan blinds the minds of people. And that's not really all that it says. Satan can't just come to somebody and just blind them. I thought that that was the way it was. That everybody just walked around blind. But that's not the way it is. From the creation of man, because in the same chapter of Romans it says man is without excuse. Every man will stand before God and they will, God will show them, they will see every opportunity, Old Testament, New Testament, that they had where God revealed himself and they said no. They chose, I'm not going to glorify you as God. I'm not going to be thankful. Now I'm thinking wrong, which is going to cause me to do what wrong? Believe wrong, right? We learn that from Romans. And if I choose to not believe God's word, guess what Satan can do now? He can blind the minds of them.
So this is what happens to people that don't know the Lord. They choose not to glorify God. They're not thankful. They choose not to believe his word, right? And then Satan's able to blind their minds. And all of a sudden, it's like you're living in a dark room. You have, you, you know, and people will kind of try to play church, but it just doesn't work. Now that's talking about a person who doesn't know God. But I got news for you. If a born-again, spirit-filled Christian who attends Faith Family Church chooses not to glorify God and chooses not to be thankful, they're going to be give, they're giving themselves over to a vain imagination. They're going to start not believing the Bible and they're not going to, they're, they're not going to believe it. So they're not going to speak it. Right? And so Satan's going to be able to be in their life, blinding them. Do you know there's people that think, there's people that think that they could have all the blessing of God and live all just the way they want to. And, and the thing is, they already have the blessing of God. God's already given it to them. It's not like he's withholding it. They can't access it because of their lifestyle. That's all it is. And, and here's God on the outside just going, come on, give me a chance, man. I'll walk with you. I'll clean up this mess. We can go, because it's all yours, and I want you to walk in it. But then people, whenever they have moments with God, they'll feel all guilty. Oh, I can't go back to that church because I just feel guilty. I haven't been there in a long time. You know where that scripture, it says, don't forsake the assembling of yourself together, as is the manner of some? If you study those Greek words out, it literally means somebody who feels like, you know, I'm way behind and I just, I'd feel funny going back in. Right? Have you ever been out of church for a while? First time you come back, you're thinking, everybody's looking at you. What are they going to think? And Satan's going, yeah, and they're really, they think you're horrible, and they think this, and, and, you know, everybody in church is going, hey, it's so good to see you. You know, everybody in church is going, yeah, I've been there. I need to pray for them, you know? I mean, that's because we've all been there. The enemy just lies and lies and lies and lies, and it's time that we stop it. You esteem God's word, and it'll start working in you, and it'll start working for you. Realize this, the results of what the word produces is not dependent upon the word or the seed of God's word. It's dependent upon the soil that it's in. You could, be, you could plant the best seed in the lousiest soil and never water it and it's not going to produce anything. And God's word, it, when, we, when we went through, we started going through last week the parable of the sower, I'm going to pick it up, I'm going to go really quick through it again because I want you to see this in relation to, I want you to look at this parable of the sower as this is, this is me, I'm the garden, I'm the soil. What kind of soil am I? This is something I'm always asking myself all the time. It's something that when I think a thought or when I do something, I'm like, okay, I'm acting, like, I'm acting like thorny ground. I'm acting like stony ground. I'm out of here. I, I'm going I'm to continue in the word so I could be good ground. So look, look at Mark chapter 4, verse 9, and we'll just go through this a little bit. You guys doing okay tonight? I know I seem a little intense. The importance of this is so huge in your life. Because there's so many Christians that are trying to do it. And you're not made to do it. The word is made to produce in your life. All you got to do is water the seed. 
Keep the weeds out. What do I mean by that? Take thoughts captive. Keep God first. Get over yourself. Roll all your cares over on him. Don't try to figure out the how. The how is God. God does the how. Right? How are you, how's your liver going to be healed? Who cares? I just want a healed liver. And God said he provided that for me. Right? So here we go. Mark chapter 4, verse 9. And he said unto them, He that has ears to hear, let him hear. This is the key to this parable. Jesus is now explaining this parable to people who came to him after he told the parable. And they're like, Lord, that was so good, but I don't understand it. I really need to understand this. And then Jesus says, okay, this 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 is the parable. It's all about how you hear. Hearing's not listening to. Hearing is putting it first place above everything else in your life. So this whole parable is based on hear the word of God. You have to hear it. Everything you are is a result of the good and bad seeds that you have sown in your own life. Or that, I should say it this way, that you've allowed to be sown into your life. And this parable is going to deal with the condition of a man's heart when he receives the word. Guys, I got to tell you, we are living in a Christian environment that is not real for the most part. This this whole thing, and and churches are exploding, but I mean, there's no substance to a lot of it because there's not a lot of this. There's a lot of entertainment. There's a lot of internet stories. There's a lot... some of the, there's some great leadership and life quotes out there. And they're great, and you hear them and you go, wow, that's awesome. And that's the extent of that quote. Because it's not God's word, it can't change your life. And if you're listening to a sermon and you've got this dynamic speaker that's telling all these really cool stories and saying all these really cool things and he even looks really cool, but he quotes one verse. Or half of it. I got to tell you, be careful. Because you could start to think that you can walk this thing out. And you have a lot of people that are really excited about God. Because they think I I could do my own thing. And I could have God too. And I really hope, I hope that when the dust clears and the church age ends, I really hope they're saved. I don't know. We can't judge a man's heart. Right? I know Christians, you, you talk to them in, at all about putting the word first, and they're like, they're out, shut up. I, I don't, you know, listen, you know, talk to them about, you know, not going to the bars and hooking up with women every, every weekend. And it's like, well, I'm out, wait a minute. No, 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 what does that have to do with me being a Christian? Right? If you can't say amen, say oh me. Say it silently, right? Because I'm telling you, it's time for pastors to stand up and preach the word. And not be afraid. Because see, see, here's what I want. I don't care if I'm popular here. I just want you to come up to me in heaven and go, man, thank you. Or I want you to come up to me when you get a diagnosis. And you've learned how to lay hold of it. And you've seen your body be healed. That, that's what it's all about. I, I want, 
I would rather see somebody come up to me and go, you know, Pastor, everybody left me. I made some big mistakes, but you never would. Well, why? That's the easiest thing for us, right? We're Christians. I mean, as I look at it, I look around here, I look at a bunch of really awesome people that probably didn't make the mistakes I've made. Knowing what I've known. I mean, it's amazing how God never gave up on me. He would tell me to do something. I want you to, I want you to go to Ramah. He had this, I had this incredible moment when I was 20 years old and yet went and did my own thing and called it ministry for 10 years. If it wasn't for Jeanette, I probably would have never been there, never been here. But he never gave up on me. And he'll never give up on you. Ever, ever. The parable deals with the condition of your heart when you receive the word of God. And you'll see that the seed of the word of God in good ground produces different results. Does God have different quality seed? He doesn't. You're going to see how in wayside ground he sows the same quality seed of his word as he does in good ground. Knowing that the wayside ground's not going to produce anything, but he's no respecter of persons, so he just lays it out for everybody. This is the gospel. God's saying to mankind right now, listen, I'm not holding anybody's sins against them during this church age. So now, come to me. I'm not even accounting your sins. I'll reveal myself. You can be born again. You could have a new life. It's all, it's all wide open. But you have to choose. Right? But I'm going to choose life. I'm so glad I did. I know you are too. So it says in verse 14, the sower sows the word of God. So the word is likened to a seed that is sown into the hearts of people. Luke, Luke's account, Luke 8.11 says, the seed is the word of God, in case we can't get that. And the sower sows the same seed in every ground. God knows. Because see, think of God like this. He, he is outside of time. Do you know, if, if it's like a timeline of time, he sees everything. He's in every day of your life. He's in every day of everybody's life. And a person that he knows who will be born and say no to him their whole life, he will still reach out to them and give them opportunity after opportunity. To me, that's amazing. And then, even after they reject him and go into eternity, someday when hell is emptied and everything is emptied and they stand before God at the white throne judgment, he will still have the books opened again. The all-knowing God who knows their name was blotted out, he's like, just, just open it again because I want him, I want him with me so much. The God of heaven doesn't send anybody to hell. He honors their request to go there because they're choosing to be identified with Satan and they don't even know it. Why don't they know it? Because they chose not to glorify him as God. They weren't thankful. Have you ever, is it just me or have you ever not glorified God as God? And we're not thankful. And then all of a sudden, you had this vain imagination that was causing you to believe things wrong. But God kept coming, and at some point, you said, yeah. You, you changed your mind. You just simply changed your mind and said, okay, God, I'm in. I, I don't even know how to fix what I've messed up. I don't even know how to do this whole thing, but I'm in. And that's all you had to say. 
and he does the rest. That's how good he is. The world needs to know it. Verse 15, wayside ground. These are they by the wayside where the word is sown. When they have heard, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. This phrase, takes away, how he takes it away, it literally in the Greek means they doubted the word. So when they heard the word, Satan comes immediately, and what does he do? He throws thoughts, and they literally say, I just don't believe that. I'm not interested in that. This is another way to say, I don't believe that. I'm not interested in that. Here's another way to say, I don't believe that. God's saying, hey, you need to do this and move this way. And you don't say anything, you just move this way. You live your own life. Have you ever done that one? Well, I technically didn't say no to God. Yeah, you did. Now I'm just talking about myself. You just look, just look straight ahead, <laughs> smile. Nobody will ever know you're in that group too, right? You know, I got to tell you, the more you mess up, the more grateful you are. But then you realize one day, you know, I don't have to mess up to be grateful. Man, I could really be grateful without ever messing up. <laughs> the wayside ground. Wayside ground really represents people with no interest. Always know this from wayside ground. Satan can always take the word that you neglect. So don't neglect the word. This whole parable is about how that you gotta, you got to watch your garden. You've got to care for the seed. You keep the, the weeds out and you keep watering it. That's what it's all about. You're going to have to, to do this, you're going to have to change the channel. You're literally going to have to quit listening to your symptoms if you want to walk in healing. You gotta, you're, you're on this channel. It's called the pain channel. It's called the going backwards physically channel where you're watching movies about constantly how this is not working out in my life and my symptoms are getting worse and what am I going to do because now this medicine that was working is not working anymore. You're going to have to change that channel and turn on this channel. Amen. The hope channel. The health channel. And you're going to have to quit listening to your symptoms and incline your ear to the word of God. It'll keep all the weeds out and it'll produce a harvest in your life. This is huge. If you keep listening, if you keep feeding and you keep watering the word, Satan can't take it. Isn't that good news? Stony ground. These are they likewise which are on stony ground. When they've heard the word, immediately they receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves. We said last week this word root is moisture. They stopped watering the soil through teaching. See, they heard the word and they immediately received it with gladness, but then they left and they got up to here with emails and texts and Facebook and their life and they stopped watering the word. They were, or, and what happens is they become unwilling to water the word. Well, I got, oh gosh, I got I to gotta get in the word today. I've worked 18 hours. I'm completely wiped out. So let me lay in my bed and, and try to read. Well, that's, that's not watering, right? 
That's right, Pastor. Amen. Thank you for telling us that. They had no moisture in themselves and so endure for a time, but afterwards, not if, but when, affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake. Notice, Satan does not bring affliction and persecution because he wants to do you wrong. He doesn't even care about you. He just doesn't want the word to produce in you. He, would, he wants you to have your nice Christian license plate and tell everybody that you go to church every Sunday and you're sick and hurting and, and, and you're angry. He, he loves that. He wants to hold you. See, he wants to kill you slowly and hold you up to the world and say, see, this God thing does not work. Isn't that evil? It is. But he can't do it unless you choose it. How many want to choose death? Praise God. I'm in the right group, right? We don't, we're, well, we're not going to choose it. And not only that, we're going to surround ourselves with each other so that we could help each other not choose it. Right? So when affliction tests trials and pressure, which produces an attitude in you, this is just too hard. I'm trying to believe God, but it's getting worse. It's too hard. You need to surround yourself with people that are going to build you up in the word. You need to come to church where you're hearing the word. Get and listen to teachers who teach the word. And so that you're watering your ground because when you're hearing it, you're talking the whole time while you're hearing it. Yes, I receive that. Yeah, by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. Yes, I can do all things. Yes, the favor of God crowns me, and it's going to open a door for this position. It's going to take me to the top of my career. Whatever it is, this is how we live. Or persecution, that evil twin, produces an environment which says, who do you think you are? Right? Arises for the word's sake. Immediately they're offended. See, this is the reason why Satan will bring. When you hear the word and you get happy about it, he's going to bring affliction and persecution. He'll bring people, he'll bring people from the outside, persecution, and will say, who do you think you are? Thinking, you're one of those name it, claim it people. You just think God will just heal you, and that's just ridiculous. Who do you think you are? Pastor, who do you think you are? You're giving everybody false hope. Have I ever heard that before? Oh, a couple hundred times. Yeah, that's okay. But I'm not going to ever be offended. See, Satan's bringing this stuff to get you to be offended. To, this word offended means I'm entrapped and it's tripped me up and now I'm distrusting who I should trust. I'm not going to do that. Satan brings these two things for the purpose of offending us. The watering, if I water the seed, it'll keep me free from me ever being offended. You know, there's a book, ask Mark Mason about this book. It's How to Avoid the Trap of Being Offended. Pastor Hagen down at Rama wrote this thing. It's a great, great book. Let me give you the abridged version. Water the seed and you won't ever get offended. Great peace have they who love God's word and nothing shall ever offend them. I love that. The watering of the seed. Thorny ground, verse 18. These are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word. But then here it comes. Now, now these are major weeds, guys. See, think of, think of stony ground as this is 
This is weeds and storms coming to try to affect, affect the seed. But now here's the major weeds right here. What do weeds do? They choke things. Satan with thorny ground is not stealing the seed. He doesn't have to. It says, such as hear the word, but the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches. What is that? Deceitfulness of riches. I have this attitude. I just got to work all the time. My career comes first. And, you know, I just have to do that. Well, okay. That's thorny ground. It's, it, it, it's choking the word of God. Think about the all-powerful word of God which created everything we see can be choked by us caring the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches. Wow. The cares of this world. Listen, you know, I've got to pay for my kids to go to school. I've got to, I got to meet my family's needs. And, you know, are these real? Are they all real? Absolutely they're real. You know, my, my retirement, gosh, I'm older. And, you know, I, I went and finally sat down. And, and I, I can't, I'm going to have to, you know, work till I'm 135 years old in order to be able to retire with dignity. And God says I only live 120 years. I'm in trouble. I don't have time. I don't have time to serve God, the cares of this world. And here's the big one. Here's the gigantic one in the church today, the lust of other things. This word lust simply means desire, the desire for other things. I just, here's the attitude it produces, I just don't want to serve God. I don't see any benefit in it. Why? Why do I not see any benefit? Because I'm not feeding on it. I'm not watering it. So it's not producing anything. There's nothing for me to see. Does that make sense? The commentary again on this whole verse is the desire for the things of this world become greater than the desire to continue to give attention to the word of God. Because the attention you give the word is everything. It's what produces. If you're hearing wrong things, it's going to choke the word. See, when there's no corresponding action, when you hear the word of God, faith is barren. Faith without corresponding action is dead. It's inactive. But the good ground in verse 20 is this. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, which means they receive it, they take it up, and they continue in it. I continue. I'm going to water it. I'm going to keep the weeds out. I constantly am thinking about this with my heart. They continue in the word. And it brings forth, it, the word, brings forth fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. If you'll just simply hear the word, keep the weeds out of your garden, God can't do that for you. You have to do that. Does that make sense? People sit in churches and they are asleep. People will get mad at the prosperity message. This is really amazing. They'll get mad at talking about money. Oh, that preacher always talks about money. You know, I just, I have enough. I only need enough for just me and my family. And, and you feel like recording that and just playing that over to them. Let me just play this over to you. I just need, I just, I just need, I don't need all this fancy stuff. I just need enough for me. How does that fit into a life of a Christian when you're not even here for you? You're not even to meet your own needs. God is to meet them. 
I mean, all of us should be sitting here going, I need to believe God for this because of what he's going to put on my heart to do. So everything, right? Verse 24. Boy, I just hardly even got into this again tonight. Verse 24. Let me just finish up real quick. Well, finish up with this. Darn it. And he said unto them, take heed what, you could translate this word, what or who you hear. Be careful what you're hearing. Be careful who you're hearing. The first person you got to be careful of is the person in your life that you listen to more than anybody. You know who that is? It's you. You, listen, have you ever been beat up by somebody verbally? Man, but have, can they even come close to beating you up verbally as fast as you could beat yourself up verbally? I think they say we could beat ourselves up verbally about 1,500 words a minute. Self-talk. You're worthless, you're worthless, you're worthless. And then you throw in the 3,000 words a minute of Satan. That's bad news, right? So be careful what you're hearing and who you're hearing. Be careful of this. The questioning. Because, well, see, Satan always questions. So if you've got somebody in your life that, well, let me ask you a question. You know, I know you've been going to that church and you've been believing God, but it seems like your life's kind of getting a little more messed up. What, what's going on here? Be careful. That sounds a lot like what Satan would do. Doesn't he question you all the time? He wants, he, he's always trying to talk to you about you. Have you ever noticed that? You know why he does that? Because if you get your eyes on you, you're in trouble. But if you keep your eyes on him, he can't do anything. That's good preaching. I'm so glad I've stayed seven minutes late, but it's worth it. And he said to them, take heed who or what you hear with what measure you meet or with what measure you measure, it's going to be measured to you and unto you that hear shall more be given. This is the way it always works. If you have ears to hear, more will be given to you. But it says, but he that has not, or in other words, he that has not ears to hear, from him shall be taken, who takes? Satan. Even what even that which he has. So if you don't have ears to hear tonight, enjoy what you have because you're probably not going to have it very much longer. Because he's not happy until he strips everything away. And if he stripped everything away, here's the good news. All you got to do is choose to hear again. And he'll fill it all right back up. Never too late. Verse 26, we'll close with this. And he said, so is the kingdom of God. In other words, this is how the kingdom works. As if a man should cast seed into the ground. So you could take your Bible here. So is the kingdom of God. As an example, healing is part of the kingdom. So here's a big lesson on healing. You could read it this way. So is healing as if a man should cast seed in the ground. So is prosperity, it's part of the kingdom, as if a man should cast seed into the ground. So is freedom from depression, anxiety, fear, terror, all of this stuff. So is this, because it's all, it all works. It's a blessing of the kingdom to be free from all of that. It all works like this, as if a man should cast seed into the ground. In other words, healing will grow. 
prosperity will grow. All the blessings of God grow. It goes on to say he, he plants the seed and, and, it, and it, he doesn't know how it's working, but it'll just come up and bring a harvest. Don't worry about the harvest and how it's going to come and all this stuff. Just realize that if you've received the word of God, it'll grow in you. All you got to do is keep watering it. How do I keep watering it? The Bible says to meditate in the word of God day and night. Why? You mutter it over and over. Father, I thank you that I'm healed. Pain hits your body that's hit your body for the last eight months. Father, I thank you that Jesus himself carried my pain. Pain, you got to leave my body. Poverty and lack, I'm redeemed from poverty and lack. Jesus was made a curse for me. I keep watering the seed and watering the seed. And when thoughts come where Satan's trying to plant some weeds, I take them captive and I keep this garden weed-free so that the seed can grow. And all of a sudden, it'll spring up. It was amazing. When I went to visit my mom in California, I hopped on a plane. And as we were flying out of Omaha, it was like all the trees were just brown, no leaves. I come back a week later, and it's all green. That's the way it is. All of a sudden, you're just living a life of thanksgiving, a living a life of praise. You're thanking God. Your eyes are on his word. You're taking thoughts captive, and instantly things start popping and manifesting in your life, what you've been believing for. Guys, I'm here to tell you, this word is true. Every word of it. And, and I would say, as a pastor, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. It's, it's for you. It's real. This whole thing is real. God wants you to be a world overcomer in every area of your life. He wants, he wants to move in your life beyond your wildest dreams. And I got to tell you, don't look at somebody and say, well, yeah, pastor, but you've been talking about this for a long time. I'm not seeing it in your life. Oh, you'll see it. You'll see it because I'm going to hang on to the word because, see, I don't have to produce it. There is zero pressure. It'll produce. In you, there's no pressure on you. Oh, what do people think in my church? I've been believing God for this physical thing for a long time, and I come to church, and everybody's asking me all the time how it's going. Just tell them how it's going. Oh, man, I'm closer than I've ever been. Why? Because I've already know. I believe that I've received it. The word says this, and my God is faithful to bring it to pass. All the pressure of everything is on the word. You got a mess in your life? Let the word fix it. You got a loved one that's out to lunch? You got a situation that is coming against you? You give it to the Lord, take your eyes off of it, you thank him that it's already fixed, and watch what he'll do with it. You have a desire for something that's just burning in your heart? You just delight yourself in the Lord. You believe you receive and you watch God. I don't care what he's got to do. He'll move heaven and earth to bring it to you. Because faith moves him. Amen.